Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Just Move In's Residential Expert. We're now in October 2022 and an awful lot has happened um, over the last four weeks. So um, we need to talk to, to Mark about it all. How are you, Mark? Mark Haywood, former CEO of Property Mark. I'm very well, I'm very well. As you said, um, it's a completely different landscape from just over a month ago, uh, which is shocking that things can change so very quickly. Definitely. I mean, we've we have a new prime minister now. I think that last time we spoke, Liz Truss had, uh, had just come in, um, and then we immediately had um, the, the, the death of the Queen, which was which was very sad. Um, and then we had this mini budget, which really put the cat amongst the pigeons and ruffled feathers and all those other uh, metaphors that we can <laughs> we can think of. Um, and I guess the natural place to start is, is the fallout from the from the uh, the mini budget, and of course the, the all the problems that we've had with mortgages. Um, we've now got a, a typical five year fixed mortgage rate rising above or up to six percent, and um, it's the first time they've risen to six percent for two years um, two year fixed mortgages, um, for the first time I think in fourteen years. So uh, I mean, what have you made of it all, Mark? Um, well, I suppose it's uh there's nothing such as a normal normal property market because it's never normal um i don't think anybody could have anticipated uh the speed in which mortgage rates would rise i think everybody anticipated or knew born from the back of end of last year that interest rates would rise um but the, the rate of the rise and the uncertainty out there people knew that this is it this is the final bit um they'd be a bit more confident. And I think, as I said before, the property market, whether you're renting or whether you're buying, is based on sentiment uh, and based on confidence. Uh, and I think everybody uh, at the moment is uh, probably shocked. Uh, I know that agents are having to speak to landlords and owners much more frequently to try and keep appraised of what is going on. Um, you know, I would say don't, don't believe Daily Mail headlines. There are a lot of people out there with wildly pessimistic predictions because they feel that will get them some airtime. Um, deals will con continue to be done. People will continue to buy houses. People will continue to sell houses. But we're also at that time of year where people might just think, well, actually, I'm not going to do anything now until next year. Uh, yeah. And as we know, this decision to make is to make no decision. Um, but if you're a landlord, you still have to let your property and um, current indications are that the rental market is still starved of stock. Uh, there's rental inflation uh, and there's still a keenness from tenants to rent because they have to live somewhere. Um, we can't just, you know, the market can't just grind to a halt and nothing happens. Things have to happen. Yes, uh, life still goes on. People still die. People still get divorced. They still relocate for new jobs. Um, and, and people have to have to soldier on, don't they? I mean, how long do we think, um, or how long do you think that the current um, uncertainty is going to last? I mean, I, I imagine that the, 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 the Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng, however long he stays as Chancellor, need to kind of um, win back some confidence, don't they? Because the markets and, and, and the mortgage providers aren't going to feel more comfortable until they have faith that the government's economic plans are credible. Uh, correct. And uh, as we know, the Bank of England has now had to, I was going to say interfere, 
but actually um, make decisions uh, outside government um, to ensure there is financial stability um, and, and that doesn't help. Um, how long this will take, I don't know. We've got, um, it's not a mini budget, but we've got a financial statement, I think, uh, at the end of October. Um, what that is going to say, we don't know. Uh, and and what, what length of time uh, will be before they have another U-turn on what they're going to announce then. But yeah. in terms of it last, um, we know that, you know, the last financial crisis um, for, which was for different reasons, um, that it took some time for it to stabilise. Uh, if you look back to the 90s, and I don't want to frighten anybody, but it took five years, um, but we had different, different, um, different movers and motivators at that point. I think, you know, if you take some um, comfort, we know that unemployment is at its lowest um, uh, almost since records began. Um, we, we've got, of course, we've got inflation, which uh, a whole generation is not used to experiencing high inflation. Um, some of us who are, I'll go, so shall I say more mature, James, um, will remember double digit inflation and double digit interest rates. Uh, and for a long time, an inflation rate between five and say 9% was, was just considered normal. Uh, that's what you did. Um, I think the fact that we've had um, we've had credit easily available uh, and at incredibly low rates, so there is this um, I was going to, there is this the the issue is that people have forgotten actually interest rates can go up. Um, we all know that they can go up and they go down. Uh, I'm still trying to to answer your question. How long do I? How long will this um, go on? I think the 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 issue is stability. If we can see some stability and the, and some certainty, then the whole thing will level up. But what we all know is that there has to be a general election within the next two years, um, and mm. the current polls are saying that the Tories. Um, are unlikely to retain government, um, and that will mean um, we will have a Labour government. Um, perversely, historically, the Labour government has been better for property than the Tory government. I don't know if anybody knows that, but perversely... I did not. No, I did not know that. Historically, Labour government has been better for the property market than a Conservative government. Now, that is interesting. So... I mean, normally when a new government sweeps to power, you do get a renewed sense of energy and um, optimism, perhaps, depending on how bad the situation is. So it could be that things are going to be a little bit rocky until the next election. And then hopefully we might see some change, but a bit more stability. I don't know. It depends what's in, what are in the various manifestos. Um, but we'll get to that a bit later on because um, Labour have announced some intentions um, of things that they'd like to introduce were they to, to get into power. But we'll, 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 return, we'll return to that in a bit. Um, for now, I just wanted to talk um, to continue on the, on the conversation about mortgages and just ask really um, in the circumstances whether, you know, just talk, talk about this dilemma about whether people out there are going to be um, 
um, are, are going to be going for a, a fixed rate or a variable rate. Because if you're an optimist and you can live with stress, there, there is an argument, isn't there, that a variable rate at a discount might be a good option if you think that things are going to improve relatively quickly. Yes, no, we're not financial advisors. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> um, five years is a long time. Is a long, mm. long time financial uh, markets. Um, I suspect if 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 you were able to fix at a very low rate, you would fix for five years. But as the rate starts to go up, um, will you be as comfortable in three, four years' time? Uh, if interest rates have stabilised and indeed if they've gone down, um, still have that fixed rate around your neck. Um, and it has happened in the past, but, uh, you know, people are used to this fixed rate um, atmosphere uh, and normality, uh, hmm. where historically there was no, you know, people didn't do a fixed rate. You're all on a variable. Then we had trackers that they came in. That was great as interest rates fell. Uh, but as interest rates start to rise they may not but again that might be an opportunity for people if they're com comfortable um, to have a tracker or a variable rate um, you know they're playing they're paying the rate that there is there today rather than hedging their bets or making some sort of forecast as to what they will be in the future yeah i mean we're at um sort of five six percent now i mean how high realistically do we think it could go i mean it's been up at nine hasn't it in the was it in the late 90s I mean, it was different then because people, you know, you know, were borrowing less because house prices were were lower. Um, I mean, how bad how bad do you see it getting? I mean, could we get up to sort of nine percent again? Do we think? I mean, again, well, we're not economists, but anecdotally, we know that um, underwriters are stress testing the ability of a borrower to pay up to eight point four nine percent. So they're already they're already testing it at that. So now whether that's an insurance or whether they really think it's going to get that high, um, but I suppose there is a comfort if you are taking a mortgage out now that you have been uh, your circumstances have been uh, examined very carefully. As I said, it's been stress tested. So if you get a mortgage, um, the underwriter and the lender thinks you'll be able to repay that mortgage at a regular rate at up to nearly nine percent. Mm. I mean, I, I guess all of this feeds into a broader discussion on the on the sector generally, um, and we've just seen a uh, we've just seen a report um, from the I, I can't remember who it was. It was the we both read the same article in the Times, didn't we? Saying that it was the Oxford Institute. I wish I could remember what it is now. I did have it written down, but I can't find it. Who think that um, a property in the UK is thirty percent overvalued now? Um, what, what did you make of, of, of these reports? Do you think they're on to something? Or? Um, I mean, it's quite a sensationalist um, headline. That's presumably why they've picked up some coverage. Um, I don't know what they base this um, overvaluation on. Um, when we continue yeah. to have um, a dire lack of housing. Hmm. Uh, so will something that's in short supply be devalued to that extent yeah. when we've 
or people wanting to rent properties. It's still, you've got nearly got 20 tenants per um, tenancy. We've still got a relatively low churn in the housing market. All right, went up to 1.2, I think, uh, last year. It'll be less than that this year. But, you know, in the 90s and the 80s, we were running at 1.8, 1.9 million. Um, so I don't know whether it's going to, it's going to devalue or, or reduce at any great level. Um, I don't think people believe any longer that um, property is a pure investment. There is this nesting attitude. We know that the pandemic has changed people's attitude uh, as to where they live and the type of property uh, that they're living in. We know that people are still spending uh, 18 to 25 years in any property between moves, which wasn't common 20 years ago. It was way, way down to about seven years. Um, so you haven't got that um, immediacy of I'm going to move now. I can't get what I paid for it five years ago. Therefore, I might take a huge loss on it or I might not move. So I think there are different dynamics in place and people's attitude towards property has changed and may well continue to change. Um, but, you know, on top of that, we know that uh, landlords, and I think I've said this before, are being demonised. Um, it seems to me that anything they do um, is not supported by government. Uh, but people have to live somewhere. Uh, and if we're not careful, we're going to store up a huge problem for people um, who have been in the rental system almost until they retire uh, or stop working. Um, and who's going to be supplying the accommodation um, at that point? Yeah. Um, it, it was it was the Oxford Economic Consultancy, and their thirty percent was based on the on affordability relative to mortgage payments and earnings. So whether we think there's much credibility in that, we're we're not sure, but it, it, it it's one expert opinion. Um, but the thing that's that's most worrying is that they've said that a crash looks increasingly likely. Now, I'm sure that we could speak to plenty of other forecasters who say that a crash isn't likely and that we might just see, I mean, the word that you've used before is, is a calling. Um, and I guess that there are certain levers that the government can pull, like um, maybe we'll see some developments around the, you know, more mortgage guarantee schemes and, and things like that, which might help. Um, but of course, it, it brings us to the bigger philosophical point, which is that a housing crash would obviously be incredibly unsettling, but there are those who claim that it wouldn't necessarily be all bad if we did see a realignment, because one could argue that prices are artificially high at the moment anyway. I mean, what, what, what would you say to, to, to such um, arguments? Well, a 30% um, crash would leave a vast amount of people in negative equity. In other words, they can't move uh, because they wouldn't be able to repay um, the loan that they currently have um, if they're unable to pay the loan we're looking at um, repossessions foreclosures at rates that we haven't seen for 20 years uh, and I don't believe um, that's going to happen I think as I said before the dynamics are different and they do they, they change as we know uh, every year but I, I can't believe that we're going to see that sort of reduction and remember of course only 40 odd percent of property is mortgaged you know the other 50 60 percent is owned outright 
Um, so the pressures are obviously going to be there in terms of uh, living costs, but I think people um, will try and adjust. And I know it's very easy to say that as we're just about to enter winter uh, and we have, all right, we have a cap on uh, energy bills, that's going to go up and everything else is, is going up. We couldn't have foreseen a year ago that there would be a war in effect on the edge of Europe. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's down to sentiment. Once you start talking about this, it, it soon gathers um, momentum in a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. um, and so would I want to do anything if it's going to be worth less tomorrow? Well, I won't buy anything. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's the worry, isn't it? And this is where we hope that there's some sort of responsibility from the media not to, because obviously it's, it's their job to get people to... To, to you know to watch them on the news and to read their newspapers and that takes dramatic headlines to get people to click um but it's not always i mean it's i guess it's the nature of the media and the nature of democracy but sometimes it's not helpful is it no it's, it's not helpful at all um uh, we all read and watch those headlines uh i was going to say on a daily basis almost an hourly basis to see what's going on i don't think the general mm. public necessarily does um but that, you know, there are headlines about interest rates, mortgages now, um, you know, very, very frequently were when they were down below 2%, um, you know, no one was really interested. Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got 24 hour, 24 hours a day of news to fill, what are you going to talk about, and, and, and still keep it interesting, it's not fun, is it, if it's just people standing around talking about how things are okay? Okay, <laughs> things are normal. Yeah, yeah. I will, well, just just moving on. Um, again, we're in danger of getting our crystal balls out here and, and pretending that we we can see the future. Um, but you mentioned earlier about um, the the opinion polls and Labour now thirty three percent ahead in some of them, which um, I, I understand is some kind of record. Um, I mean, I, th I think at the last election when Boris Johnson won his um, his eighty seat majority, the pot the biggest poll lead was about fifteen percent. So. Labour now 33%. It is looking quite likely that we're going to see a change of government in, in a couple of years' time. Um, and I just wanted to talk to you really about um, how um, a Labour government may impact the, the property sector, not just in terms of house prices, or, um, but also the rental sector as well. Um, because there, there are a few things um, that, they've <clears throat> that they've already announced. Um, uh, whether they actually make it into the manifesto, we don't know. Um, but we know that they want to, in a way, beef up the renters' reform bill. They want to beef that up by making it, making it a new renters' charter. So they want to, they want to keep the abolition of, of Section 21. So Section 21 still goes. Decent home standard. They like the idea of that. The National Landlord Register they like. But there are a couple of extra things. They want to make it four-month notice periods for landlords, which is a bit of a change. Um, they want to strengthen um, people's right to have pets, which... Um, you know, it's minor for some people, but a major thing for others. Um, but the one that's really caught my eye is that um, Lisa Nandy has said that she wants to end automatic evictions for rentaries. And I know that the National Landlords Association has immediately kind of hit back at that um, by saying that this is basically an effect saying that paying rent is optional. Um, I just wanted to to get some sort of response from you on that, if you, if you read these reports. Um, I have uh, read the reports, uh, and indeed uh, uh, the Labour government, if it comes into 
being will be looking uh, much more closely uh, at the rental sector. Uh, I, I, you know, I can understand why you know, they put things in like we're going to be, you know, sympathetic to tenants have pets. You know, that's nice and warm, head on one side, warm feeling. Um, they, I think they've probably underestimated the strength and size of the rental sector in terms of tenants. Um, to have a four month period where you can't pay rent would be um, disastrous for a landlord. A lot of them are highly geared. Uh, in terms of buy-to-let mortgages, there will be a certain uh, element of tenants who would take advantage of that and you know game the system. Um, it would it would dissuade landlords from buying more property or dissuade new landlords um, from looking at the buy-to-let sector mm. uh, if if they're going to see that. And of course, if property prices do drop. Um, landlords are going to be more or potential landlords are going to be more reticent about buying property mm. or if the yield remains or if the rental levels remain as they are but the values drop um their return is going on paper is going to be a lot better yeah i i think it feeds into this narrative again doesn't it that landlords are, are, are the bad guys which which is a, a common theme that we've had in these discussions over over the months i mean i know that labor kikia starmer is not is very lukewarm when it comes to buy to lets um, and I know that Lisa Mandy as well has said that she wants to see more of a shift in power towards the tenant which is which, which is kind of something that the, the leveling up of the Tories has already done with the rent reform bill to a certain extent so um, they're going to be looking at rent freezes they, the Labour are already talking about that and in fact in a way Nicola Sturgeon's doing an experiment for them up in Scotland where um, rent freeze is now being introduced until March next year. Um, and I guess the difficulty is, I know that Labour are philosophically, they, they want, they want um, social housing, more emphasis on social housing and less on the private rented sector. But I guess that there'll be some sort of, um, yeah, some sort of new calibration, sort of balancing up there between social housing and the private rented sector. But we need private landlords, don't we? Because we have a we have a housing crisis at the same time. So it will be interesting times ahead. Absolutely. Um, you talk about social housing. How are they going to provide that social housing uh, in terms of finance? You can't just click your fingers and create tens of thousands of homes. Um, mm. but we don't have the resources. We don't have the labour, we don't have the interest from the majority of house builders uh, to construct social mm -hmm. housing down to local authorities. Um, are, are they going to be able to do it? Uh, and you, know, you, you have to balance, as you say, we need private landlords. If we didn't have private landlords, we'd have, we would have more than just a housing crisis. Um, we, it would be appalling, we'd have homelessness um, at, at a huge level, um, so I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, we know if we have an election, they'll all have uh, great glowing um, manifestos saying that we're going to build this amount. And as we know, for instance, none of the parties coming into power over the last few years have ever reached the building levels that, that they have uh, said they would get. I yeah. suppose a new government, we might see initially um the renters reform 
bit under remember so it's still a white paper the rental not even a bill yet it's a it's a white paper, uh might be actioned quicker uh than we currently are doing it but we know we still in terms of uh primary legislation um it's going to take two years to get through uh the current level of backlog so and this would require secondary legislation so um i think we can uh we, we can gaze, as you say, uh, uh, but we'll, we'll have to see how things develop with this government to see if a new government could come in and actually, at a flick of a switch, change things. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that Keir Starmer said is he wants to get spades in the ground, um, obviously referring to building more houses. Yeah. This is something that we've talked about a lot. In fact, I think that it's pretty unanimous across the sector that people think that we need more to build more houses. But... Is it that simple? How how do we encourage people to developers to build more houses? I mean, is it is it new technologies that we look at maybe modular houses to get going, or should the government be intervening more to to help developers, or is it a change in attitude as well from the public? Do we need to stop thinking, oh, we don't want that development on, on our doorstep, um, and stop opposing it, or or is it just simply changes in in, in planning? Planning can be very slow in our country. Um, what, what do you think is going to help to, to actually get more houses built? Well, you, you, you've uh, highlighted a number of issues. Planning is 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 one of them. Uh, and, we, and I know that um, the existing government has talked about in the mini budget, these development zones <coughs> that they're going to wow. create uh, and speed up the planning. Uh, the planning process is still in the hands of local government um so that is that is an issue because you can't add a stroke designate an area in the green belt uh, and that's another very sensitive issue as available for housing uh, at the moment it takes i think two to three years from putting an application in to actually putting a spade in the ground and if keir starmer wants more space in the ground he's going to have to start very early we don't have um the availability of labour uh, in this country since Brexit, we've lost uh, a lot of European workers who made up a, a large, particularly in cities, a large proportion um, of construction labour. So that's not there. So you're going to have to start uh, working on an apprentice scheme uh, to bring more people in to build houses. Uh, we know that you know, there is additional technology out there uh, in terms of off-site construction, uh, which we use rather than prefab, but properties created off-site and then create and then put together literally on site. Uh, but that actually costs more money. It's quicker, but it costs more money, but you do need the facilities to construct it. Um, so I don't, as again, there's nothing you could do at a stroke. There would have to be a number of uh, policies and changes and encouragement uh, to get yeah. houses built, and as we know, house builders want to make a profit, mm. Mm. Um, so they don't want to flood the market with houses because that puts the value down. Yeah, and we don't want people left in negative equity again, do we? Because prices yeah. have gone down ever so suddenly. You know, you encourage people to build houses and to buy, and then they end up in a horrible situation. So uh, I guess where it all comes back to it's a very, very difficult melting pot, and. Um, yeah, no, no simple solutions. 
absolutely um yeah. but we can continue to try we'll continue to try and we shall um address these issues again i'm sure in a month's time when well who, who knows what might have, might have happened in, in in four weeks time <laughs> yeah so anyway th thank you very much mark again for your time thanks to everyone for watching and we'll see you all in in a month for the um for the november edition as christmas rapidly approaches faster than we know it Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.